Podcasters, assemble! Hi, this is Quantum Arjuna Gonzalez, the world's greatest grandma from Thoughts from the Level Editor. Hey everyone, this is Becky, Troy's wife. This is Troidal Power with the Power Playthroughs Podcast. Hello there, I'm Paul Goodman, co-host of One Good Thing. Hey everyone, it's Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is... Ant-Man and the Wasp. The Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp. I am a little embarrassed to admit that I did not see Ant-Man and the Wasp in theaters. Uh, Infinity War was such an intense movie that we just kind of skipped this one and didn't see it until uh, like eight months after it came out. We finally sat down and watched it, and it's really fun. It's a really good movie. It is silly and preposterous, but it's got a ton of heart and a ton of goofs, and it's just, it's really fun, and it, it is a nice change of pace after the intensity that is Infinity War. So I didn't see the first Ant-Man movie for Caster's Assemble or when it came out, so I did not know that Paul Rudd was this cool. Like, as far as male leads go in these MCU movies, like, I guess my ranking is Paul Rudd first, then Chris Pratt, and then Robert Downey Jr. Chris Hemsworth is alright, and then there's everybody else. Again, there's there's a little bit of building out his personal world, and it's fine. And he's still Paul Rudd doing all the things that Paul Rudd likes to do, his little half-smile, sarcastic look thing. Michael Pena is still amazing. Um, so there's still a lot to like in this movie. I think Ant-Man is right there with Guardians of the Galaxy in terms of being a series that really does family well. And I really like that this movie, uh, pretty early on, we get to see... Scott being a daddy and hanging out with Cassie where he's built like this insane obstacle course in his home because he's under house arrest. Uh, and they're like going through their own little heist in this like cardboard obstacle course. It's really great to see him just like being a good dad. And then it's fun to see his wife and her new husband show up and that they like have totally embraced him as part of their family. I think that's it's a nice little family unit that they've got there. So talking about my favorite hero moment, Scott Lang and Paul Rudd didn't quite gel in the first one, I don't think, but here they really got it together to become the hero I wanted. My favorite hero moment from this film is actually whenever he gets to be a great dad. Mm. He has a great relationship with his daughter, I think, and it's, it's pretty heartwarming stuff. Oh, and the time he went really big because it was funny. Uh, my favorite line of dialogue would be early on in the movie where Ant-Man's uh, foot brace has gone through the fence outside the house and he's under house arrest. So the FBI immediately come in and start searching the place because it seems like he's violated his house arrest conditions. And Cassie asks one of the FBI agent guys, why won't you leave my daddy alone? And he's giving this ridiculous explanation about how Ant-Man wound up under house arrest. And he says something like, uh, you know how you you have some rules at school like don't draw on the walls well your daddy went to germany and drew on the walls with captain america 
And that was the violation of Article 16, Paragraph 3 of the Sokovia Accords. And then, like, that just gives me the mental image of Captain America sitting down with that chair, like in the scene from Spider-Man Homecoming. So, you drew on the walls in Germany. Well, take it from a guy who spent 65 years frozen in the ice. I don't know where I'm going with this joke. Favourite dangling thread would be the fallout from S.H.I.E.L.D., the Avengers superheroing in general or supposed positive institutions, which is one of the things that contemporises the MCU and makes it so successful in my mind. Because as we know, the Avengers do tend to lead to the creation of most of their ne their own nemeses, and Ava Starr is no different here. It doesn't need civil war focus, but its being there is an intelligent and compelling counterpoint to all the fun. My favourite villain moment is the product placement for The Fault in Our Stars. Just kidding. Uh, my favorite action scene is probably the kitchen fight scene. Sonny has basically cheated Wasp out of the special part they need to make the quantum tunnel work, and so they're fighting it out, and Wasp is chasing some of his henchmen through the kitchen in the back of this restaurant, and she's constantly changing size or making objects in the kitchen change size according to how the fight is working out, so, like, seeing Wasp, like, swooping out of the way as these kitchen knives are flying through the air and, like, wall-running on one of them, dodging the mallet that one of the henchmen tries to use to squash her, and that tomato just smashing apart in the back Around, seeing like several henchmen like run face first into this giant salt shaker that she throws and then it expands to like 10 feet tall or something. It looks great, it's suspenseful, it's very video gamey. I love it. They said quantum, every, this quantum, that quantum, whatever. I think they could have done more explaining sort of the quantum realm, at least trying to give us some sciencey things of how. The original wasp was able to stay alive for so long and just be like, well, there's you don't have to eat when you're that size. You're not really breathing air. You're smaller than air. Like you're smaller than oxygen uh, molecules. You're smaller than uh, literally anything. That's how you drop into this other universal world thing. None of the science in this movie really makes any sense, but I don't think it really matters. They go out of their way to... Uh, point out how silly all the science is. They tech the tech so much in this movie. Uh, and perhaps my favorite part of that is when they go to see Bill Foster, because Bill Foster's in this movie. I was so excited when I heard his name. Um, but they go and talk to him, and uh, Scott asks them, he's like, so do you guys just put quantum in front of everything? Or I think it's fun. It's, it's nice, because you know what? The science doesn't really matter. It doesn't make any sense. Physics in this movie make absolutely no sense. But you know what? It's still a lot of fun. Although I will say the stealth mission at Cassie's school where they have to get the world's greatest grandma trophy because one of Ant-Man's old suits is hidden inside of it. That was a lot of fun, I think, for the same reason a lot of us liked it. And that is seeing Ant-Man walking around like at the size of a first grader with a he's flopping around in a little blue hoodie. Baby Scott, I would say, is the comedic highlight, which is just a string of really nice visual gags and an amazing string of reactions from Evangeline Lilly. It's cute condescension and the image of a small Scott Lang awkwardly limping down steps that are too big for his little body is the pleasure to see. My favorite hero moment would be when they're trying to get the quantum tunnel to work and Janet 
takes over Scott's body uh, for a little while to change the math equations and algorithms and stuff so it'll work properly. In part because Paul Rudd is such a great actor that he totally nails all of the mannerisms that you might imagine would change in that type of situation, which is funny to begin with. And then, of course, it ends with the gag at the end where, like, Scott is like, huh, why am I holding Hank's hand once he comes to and Janet gets out of his mind uh, after they've been just constantly at each other's throats up to this point in the movie? Scott um, was kidnapped um, by Hope and um, Hank. And then um, he gets back to his house because he knows that the, guy, the feds are coming to check on him. And his, his daughter and his ex-wife and her husband are there. And um, so him and his daughter are talking afterwards. Um, and he's talking about how he always screws up every time he tries to help people. And she's like, so maybe you just need someone watching your back. Like a partner. And Scott's reply is, well, she's made it clear that's the last thing she wants. And his daughter goes, who? And he says, Hope. She said, what? Who did you think? She goes, me. He's like, you? And she's like, don't laugh. And at that moment, I thought it was really cute because the way she said, don't laugh. I've totally said that in that tone before when somebody is making fun of me, particularly Troy. But <laughs> um, I, I always definitely say it in that tone. <laughs> And she says, I'd be a great partner. I said, oh, Peanut, you'd be awesome. And if I let you, I would be a terrible dad. She says, fine, have hope be your partner. She's smart. And he says, she reminds me of you. She goes, you're going to go help her? I think you should help her. And Scott replies, I wish I could, but I don't know how. I can help her without hurting you. And she goes, you can do it. You can do anything. You're the world's greatest grandma. And I, I absolutely love that joke between them um, because it's a it's an ongoing thing between them. But also, like, I have this joke that I am Uncle Becky, not Aunt Becky, um, with only one of my nieces um, because for a long time she called me uncle. And so it just kind of stuck. And I like it. And I think those kind of things are really cute. So... As for villains, it's hard. Walton Goggins as Sonny Birch was a pretty conventional sleazy gang type and, and Hannah John Kamen as Ava Starr slash Ghost was very much a shade of Grey Deal and her corruption early on in life makes her more nuanced even though she's such a threat. I do think that Ant-Man and the Wasp struggles a little bit with villains. Um, you've got Ghost in this one and then you've got Sonny as, as kind of our two villains um, with Bill Foster helping out Ghost. Um, none of them really stick out to me. Ghost is cool. She's got a cool ability but her storyline i just i don't know something about it doesn't click with me ghost to be honest isn't really that compelling a villain um mostly because like i've watched so many of these marvel movies that by now this whole tortured villain who was an unintended consequence of something that one of the allegedly good guys did trope it's getting a little bit old i gotta admit it's a new power to be reckoned with all in all seems like a pretty insurmountable foe um, but it is nice that we get to see a very different power set for uh, Scott and the rest of the team to go up against. I like that it's not just another person who can shrink. It's cool to see something very, very different. I liked the fact that the bad guy they fought was not a version of the good guy. 
Um, and then Sonny is just a guy. And I think that's part of what doesn't necessarily work for me so much in this movie is in that chasing at the end, they struggle a lot with dealing with just some guys. Um, like, man, you were on the Avengers kind of sort of maybe, and, and you're struggling to take on some guys. Michael Peña's monologue was a nice callback to the original, which I remember striking me as a remnant of Edgar Wright, but this was honed really nicely. It was slick, the direction and the lip-syncing work from everyone involved was really special. You can see Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly and co. just totally going for it. It's really enjoyable and they escalated it nicely. My real favourite villain moment is maybe more of a hero moment, but it's that whole interrogation scene where Luis um, goes rattling on about Scott and his backstory because Sonny gave him the truth serum. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this off by saying um, L- Luis is, like, my absolute favorite character. He's hilarious, and I love his mannerisms and the way he talks. Um, so this scene has um, Luis in it, and um, the douchebag Sonny is trying to get information from him about where Scott is. And... <laughs> he's like, um, he starts off by, he's like, well, see, that's complicated. And then his little music starts playing. Because when I first met Scotty, he was in a bad place. I'm not talking about cell block D. His wife had just filed for divorce. And I was like, damn, homie, she dumped you while you were in lockup? And he's like, yeah, I know. I thought I was going to be with her forever. But now I'm all alone. And I was like, damn, homie, you got to chin up because you'll find a new partner. But you know what? I'm Luis. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? I'm Scott- Scotty, and we're going to be best friends. <laughs> no line in there made it into my favorite line of dialogue, but there were a lot of strong contenders in that scene. When you're talking about action scenes in Ant-Man, the ones that always shine are the ones that make the most of them. The mechanics of Ant-Man, whether small or giant, and it's consistently fun through both films. The car chase for this reason was great. Switching in and out of sizes with the cars and the suits was a nice twist and made for some really great set pieces. It also has giant Scott Lang wheeling himself down the road on the back of a truck, which I did already mention was funny. I really love to see Hope in action in this movie. I think she as the Wasp is awesome. I think every time we get to see her fight is great. And one of my favorites is in the uh, finale action scene, uh, Luis is driving a car and has some goons behind him and she pops into their car, just appears in the backseat and then just proceeds to like destroy them. And it's a lot of fun and, and it's complimented nicely by Luis watching it from a rear view mirror and, and also going like, wow, this is so cool. That's neat. And, and it's just, it's cool to see the wasp kicking butt. I, I think this movie could have been called the wasp since the whole driving force is trying to go find Janet. Um, it, Ant-Man is secondary to me on this one. I just love the wasp. This is also a movie that has a really good Stan Lee cameo. It's in the middle of this car chase scene towards the end of the movie, and Wasp is trying to shrink down one of the motorcycles chasing them, and instead of shooting the motorcycle, she shoots this car that Stan Lee's character is trying to get into. He is standing outside of his car trying to unlock his car, and it's Stan Lee, and his car gets shrunken. And he sees the car just shrunk down to the size of a little Hot Wheels car, and he says, Well... Well The 60s 
It looked like Ant-Man needed Hank and Janet and Hope to bring him back from the quantum world where he was harvesting the quantum healing plot device particles. So, I've seen the trailer for Avengers Endgame. How does he get back to regular size? It's just also one of those things where, like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like the Ant-Man movies just aren't reaching their potential. I think is the best way to put it. I think there's so much more they could be doing. They're making decent films, but I think you need to hand it over to like a real like auteur, um, you know, the kind of Taika Waititi type of like give it to somebody who's going to do something crazy with it, instead of just making what feels like a decent but generic superhero movie. And in this particular one, they can shrink or grow big. At the same time, I really did like this movie. And after, like, the heavy race discussion in Black Panther and then Infinity War, where, like, half of the characters that I watched all these movies and gotten so emotionally invested in got just slaughtered. I'm not trying to diss those two movies. They were great. I needed a movie like this. Podcasters Assemble Probably is a production of the We Can Make This Work Probably podcast network. This episode edited and produced by me, Troidal Power. Find more of our shows at probablywork.com and learn how to join the initiative and contribute to future episodes of Podcasters Assemble Probably by looking us up on Twitter as at Casters Assemble. Submissions are always open. Thank you to everyone who was able to contribute to this episode. Be sure to check the show notes for links to all the places you can find them online. Special thanks to executive producer Tyler Thornton for keeping this show on track. Also, if you've listened to Foxcast, you know that pigeons are really advanced surveillance devices. So that scene at the beginning of the movie, I'll bet you those pigeons that were picking at the car, they were working for Thanos the whole time, weren't they? There's going to be a whole subplot in Endgame about surveillance pigeons that have been hijacked by Thanos, isn't there? Podcasters Assemble probably will return in Captain Marvel. And oh god, there's a wasp flying outside my car as I say that. He heard me complimenting the wasp, but now he's coming for me. Oh no. Go away, little bug. I'm afraid of wasps. Oh no, it might be a bee and not a wasp, I don't know the difference, but I'm very scared. I'm never going to be able to leave my car now, this is where I live, friends.